Hello everybody and welcome back to the Biff Rugby League Podcast, episode 10. It should have been last week, I'm so sorry. Um, we got it recorded, it looked like I'd managed to save the corrupt file and it just wouldn't work and I didn't want to pay 30 quid sort of just to save one file without the guarantee that it was going to work. So um, I apologise to Robin, I apologise to Toby, but they were pretty happy because they were able to watch uh, Catalan versus Toulouse on the Thursday night instead without having to like sort of push push stuff. Um, as those watching on YouTube you can see, Toby isn't available to, to be here tonight. He's back in Wrexham, triple booked, as we weren't meant to be recording this week. But, um, Robin, I met up with you this weekend, didn't I? I come up to York for a nice for a nice trip with, with my partner and we managed to go and watch um, York play Newcastle at the Linus Community Stadium and we met for Met for a breakfast. Before we go on to all the stories of the round, um, Newcastle were a full-time team, aren't they? And and they just didn't seem to look like it at the weekend. It was absolutely shocking from Newcastle's point of view. I think we were we were saying like they could easily be nilled here. It looked like there was no way of them scoring. Um, I mean, York didn't play that amazing, really. They had a quite a strong first half, but the second half wasn't anything too impressive. It was just uh, Newcastle playing like trash to be honest with you um yeah i don't really know what they're training i don't know what they're doing they're full time and um there was just sort of no leadership not no single player stood out i think um there was uh or oh, the the props name that's just slipped my mind uh, he's the only guy that stood out for me um and all for the wrong reasons because he kept giving away penalties and, <laughs> So yeah, that's um, pretty pretty bad from Newcastle's point of view, but uh, a good result for York, and it was uh, lovely seeing you and catching up and watching a game in real life together. Yeah, it's the first game we've managed to watch together as a like since we've known each other, and it's quite been quite good. And obviously, next time hopefully we can drag Toby along or get to get yeah. to a game that's not maybe so far away for for me, but. Um, that win against Newcastle, and I think the prop you were alluding to was Mitch Clark, the former Cass Super yeah, League prop. Yeah, yeah. He just looked so out of place and didn't look quite even up to the championship standard at the weekend. But that win puts you um, puts the Knights up to third, behind Feb and Lee. And you, we even at the start of the season, you weren't even particularly pushing them to finish as high as even in the playoffs. We were sort of it was a tough one for them because we know that they can do it if they put their mind to it but we weren't really sure on how the team was going to play you you must be happy with how this season started yeah it's, it's, we've done much better last year was pretty um difficult we had a lot of um injuries and players coming in on loan and it was quite an in inconsistent squad and so it was hard for us to build form but we've, we've managed to have a like pretty good run with injuries and um field roughly the same team every single week and um, bringing in Levi Edwards is, is a big boost and Polly Polly's playing well. So all these factors that we just weren't quite sure how we're going to play out at the start of the year seem to be um, seem to be doing right. And and it's good, you know, up in third. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. That's um, I think we're overperforming at the minute, to be honest, but I'll take it. And especially when um, we're playing a local derby against Newcastle and <laughs> like that <laughs> in rivals round, it's sweeter for the fans. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you're above teams like Halifax, Witness, Bradford, e even a strong Whitehaven side, and even former Super League side London Broncos, who we know aren't the London Broncos of older and a lot of different. Still haven't managed to pick up a win this season. Eight games in, it's a, it's a 26 round, I believe, competition or 22 round competition. Um, I can't quite remember off the top of my head. 
you're looking to be finishing in that top five. And James Ford, I think, will lead York to Super League. I'm not sure if it'll be this season, but from an outsider point of view, I think you will be a Super League club soon, providing providing the governing body don't sort of decide they want to ring fence Super League and stuff again. But I'll let you um, sort of move on and we can speak about our story of the round or the story of last week and, and sort of a week, a few weeks to come as well. Yeah, so uh, story of the round this week, um, a really good cause organised by uh, Matt Cook, one of one of our uh, all-time faves, one of Brad's faves. <laughs> um, and basically he's organised a challenge um, to raise money for Rugby League Cares. Uh, and it's a 12-hour kayak and walking challenge, and he's doing that with a couple of um, couple of players that have also sort of recently retired. We've got uh, Danny Washbrook, Ryan Atkins, two two players that finished up at the Knights, um, Joel Tompkins, Frankie Marinano, and uh, Frank Stevenson uh, from back in the old days. Uh, and the, the six of them are doing this uh, big challenge. Last year they did three peaks. In uh, two three days, was it? It was over the over the weekend in September. They made the it looks like the big yeah. three peaks challenge. Yeah. So they take on these big physical challenges, um, and there's a there's a um, a GoFundMe page, and we'll we'll put all the links in there. So if you've got some spare cash, then give to them because it's a really good cause. Um, and it's it's basically it's going to RL Cares, which is um, a charity that um, they've got a number of different sort of schemes in place, but. The idea is to um, one of the sort of key ones that sort of aligns really nicely with this one is helping players um, sort of transition from a playing career into post retirement. So helping them find um, new avenues of work and also sort of give them the support that they may be missing that they used to having when you're a part of a close knit team like that. Um, and they also RLK also have an offload um, scheme. It's called offload because the idea is. They give people um, the training and resources to be able to express their emotions, offload it onto their friends and family, and also how to help people offload, listen to them and help them out and offer them advice and, and be, be that sort of um, you know, listen to their problems. Um, so, they've, so they've got that scheme, um, but there's also techniques to manage your physical fitness as well as your mental fitness. Uh, they've got player welfare, so ensuring players, not just uh, at the end of their careers, all, all the way through the game, just to um, help um, ensure players get the support that they need. And they're also involved in a, a heritage scheme that's trying to get the first uh, National Rugby League Museum built, which is crazy to think we don't really have one, but um, that's another long-term scheme that um, is, is a, a great another great reason why you should donate. So hats off to these guys for organizing it we, we wish them all the best of luck at the bit and yeah if you've got any spare cash please do feel free to, to donate yeah those of you that sort of follow us on social media you'd have seen that we shared the link uh, last week as a sneak preview to our story of the round and we we wanted to make sure that it was it was pushed a little bit further so we've mentioned it again this week obviously having failed to produce a podcast last week so we will share that again on our um on our twitter account they are nearly 20% towards their £5,300 target. So make sure you, you can share, to you can donate to a team member, one of the five team members in, in Danny Washburn, Ryan Atkins, Matt Cook, Joel Tompkins and Frankie Marino, uh, Mariano, uh, as Robin's previously mentioned. So make sure you go out there, support these lads 
and make sure that we're raising money to, to support rugby league players once they come off the field and and they're, they're given something to do because rugby league players do an absolutely fantastic job and not loads of people truly understand what they get into. Before we sort of move on and, and do our Hall of Fame, we're not going to do a player of the round this week because all three of us have been so busy. We've not actually managed to watch a lot of rugby league this weekend, provide, despite there being so much rugby on, um, just because we've been out and about and visiting people and seeing family and friends over the Easter holidays. So we're going to just talk about sort of what's happened this weekend, after during fixtures, after fixtures. Uh, and we're going to start with a little bit of sad news for young Lewis Dodd. An Achilles injury that's going to put him out for the rest of the season. It probably won't affect Saints because they just seem to be bringing players through like who who can replace anyone at the minute. And that, But we need to see, obviously, how that's going because it looks as though Roby will move into the halves for a bit and then they'll play Lussick at hooker. Does this? Do you think this will hurt Lewis Dodd's chance of being in the World Cup squad? It, it sounds like he'll be fit for the World Cup, but you're not. You, you're going to want him to be match fit and fully fit and on form, aren't you? Going yeah. into this? Yeah, I mean, like in, in a cup competition, in a World Cup competition that's so sharp, form is is almost more important than than their actual abilities. I think it would be it's going to be very difficult for him to get into that England squad, which is a shame because he's been he's been playing fantastic and. Um, you know, right at the start of his career, it would be good for him to get a World Cup under his belt for future England performances. So, yeah, it's a real big shame, and it's kind of um, we, we spoke at the start of the season about how Saints had, had prepared so well, picking up Lussick to, to um, stand in for Roby, and I don't think we we couldn't have predicted that this would be how that came into play. But an interesting um, decision to put. Roby in at half. I, I'm not um, 100% sure how, how else to fill the hole, but for me, um, it says a lot when the best hooker in the comp is, it, you know, it makes more sense to put the best nine in the comp at seven than it does to replace your seven. It's a strange situation, but yeah, if any team can get away with it, you're right, it's definitely. Yeah, the other option they, they could do is when Will Hobbawati comes back in a week or so, they shove him in at full-back and Wellsby moves into the halves. We spoke about Wellsby's sort of, the worst, sort of, he's able to play in lots of different positions. He's so versatile, that's the word I was looking for. He can play at full-back, he can play on the wing, he can play at centre, he can play at half. He played loose forward in the Challenge Cup final for, for a bit towards the end of last se- uh, towards the end of the game last season. This is this is a chance for Wellsby to go. Okay, Tompkins is likely to start at fullback in the World Cup because he's the captain. I need to show Sean Wayne that I can play as the halfback and maybe even alongside Johnny Lomax because Lomax is such so in form and this is probably his last chance of being in a World Cup squad. And this is Wellsby's chance to show that he he can be reliable elsewhere and get picked ahead of the likes of Zach Hardacre and, and Jake Connor, isn't it? Yeah, you're right and. It sort of works in his favour that he's got Lomax beside him because those two, if they can play for the rest of the season together and build up a kind of good bit of form and a good relationship together, then that sort of drags Wellsby up into that contention for an England shirt because if Lomax is, is already in there, then it makes sense to put his, his half-up pairing that he's built this kind of like working relationship with in at the World Cup. So, it's, it's I mean... 
it's a good opportunity for um, Wellesby. I think, in in truth, like we would probably expect to see him on the bench anyway. So maybe in the World Cup, if if this doesn't quite work, there's still a chance that he can sort of find a a, a gap in uh, as a utility player. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's so he's so versatile. Who who knows where his career is going to take him? Which which position he's going to sort of like really earn whether he even needs to whether he can get away with just being this like great utility player that um you know he's gonna if any team would love to have him and even in a short competition like the world cup it's still you definitely want him want him there to help fill holes so um but yeah it, it, an interesting sort of opportunity for wellsby i'm sure he's sad that his mates out but you've got to um think of the bigger picture sometimes and like put put yourself first. So I hope he um grabs it with both hands and really like builds a good bit of form for for us for England at the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. Well Wellsby and Dodd are sort of those two players that are, are probably the next English players to maybe get a shot in the NRL. Obviously Harry Rush Rushton, the former Wigan forward, is going to get his shot over the week over the coming weekend. As he as he's looks like he's been named on the bench for Canberra, which is fantastic for him. Um, carrying on the line of Saints, I'm gonna we're gonna move on to sort of match bans and stuff. Curtis Sirinan has been handed another two match ban after being found guilty of a Grade B offence against Huddersfield um, yesterday. I get um, and it's the third time he's picked up a ban this season. This is is this is this the, is this Sirinan being a dirty player? Is this the ban? Maybe is this the 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 RFL match review? Panel being too harsh. What is is this too much? Play, is this much too much impact on player welfare? Where where do you see this? Because I, I I've yeah. I've looked back and it doesn't look like it's massively horrible this hit, but it's his third yeah. one. It's his third one of the year. You'd have thought he'd have learned by now. That's it. It's kind of like he's he's not done himself any favors, and and in isolation, this incident won't be as bad. But when you take it in context of how how many offences we had this year? We're only what what are we in now? Like round fourteen, something like uh, that. So, no, not even that. We're nine games into the season, including right. obviously. So, yeah, that's it. That's, it, you can't you can't be doing it that many times, and it's it's probably come at the wrong time because the RFL are also sort of they're on a bit of a crackdown at the minute with these things and. Whether or not that's a good idea, I'm still I'm still conflicted. Uh, the, obviously, the player welfare issue, and we spoke about um, concussion and Stevie Ward's documentary, and that that's something that's really important that we we do consider. But also, sometimes some of these some of these sort of incidents seem really like a common sense approach is not to hand out as many as many match bans as they are. Yeah. So it's a really difficult time, and I feel like he's probably caught up in a combination of a bit of bad form like his he's not adjusting his style of play and there's a crap down at the minute so um yeah it's 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 such a it's such a difficult one it's really it's really um polarizing everybody's sort of some people are fuming with it some people think it's the right direction for the game i still don't really know where i sit it's difficult for fans when when you bring in a player like that and you don't even really get to see him play. But at the end of the day, it's he's got to take some responsibility now as well. Yeah, he's not the only one that's picked up a, another ban or a second or third ban this season. Only nine games in. Uh, James Bentley, I mentioned at the start of the season, the boat's a liability. He was a little bit of a liability for Saints last season and the seasons before. He's coming to Leeds to his hometown club. 
wants to play well, and he's picked up another two-match uh, two ban for a reckless high tackle. Luke Gale, he received, I think it was a six-match ban early from, from the round one. He only came back two weeks ago. He's been done for a trip. He's got another two weeks. Hurrell, again, uh, for a crusher tackle. He's got a two-match ban. Zane Tetevano, another one for Leeds. Two-match ban for a late hit. Um, Lucas Albert, and uh, I think he's at Toulouse, I believe. He's picked up a two-match ban for a crocodile roll and Jason Chan for uh, a dangerous hit, another two-match ban. We're waiting on two more reviews to come out later in the week. I said, they've got to go to um, proper committee. They've got to go to trial and stuff. We've got Brad Fash for a bite on Elliot Minchella and Sam Powell for a crusher tackle. And both these lads are going to get serious bans, I think, those later two. I don't know if you've seen the incidents, um, but Brad Fash is... I've seen the bite. The um, the crusher tackle though that was pretty horrendous. That was um, a bit a bit a bit like the Will Price tackle where it's just like what is he thinking? Like there's is there's no way that he's not really trying to seriously injure that player, and it's just absolutely they need to throw the book at him. Yeah, it's it's been I think he's been charged with the grade F, which means it'll be a minimum. I think it's eight games anyway, um, which Price has got. So. And so he'll be out for eight games, which takes him to over halfway through the season, and that's that's huge for Wigan because it 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 I mean it probably helps them a little bit because they can move Tommy Lulaway into nine, and it means that Bevan French and Jai Field can both play at the same time, which is which is absolutely ridiculously dangerous for for the teams they'll come up against. Brad Fash's bite on Elliot Minchella, caught on camera, really obvious. He played an absolute blinder three days later on, on Easter uh, last night on Easter Monday, but it's just such a shame that. Like for me, I think Hull, what they should have done is they should have not let him play on Easter Monday, taken that game, because they would have taken that game off him as he's been, he's not been allowed to play. He would have had a game less on his ban, potentially, and then they might have had him available later in the season for when they really needed him. But then again, he went and played a blinder on Monday. Yeah, it, it's tough to see. Like fully, these two players fully deserve the bans they're going to get, but some of these match penalty notices that players are getting are are really difficult. Um, positive note, though, this time, Callum Watkins returned to the field of play after 10 months. <laughs> um, used to be, everyone was calling him the world's best centre the last time the World Cup was played, and he, and he did play pretty well. He had a little bit of a hot torrid time out in the NRL, but he was called an international player after a phenomenal perform, individual performance for Salford at the weekend, despite the fact they lost. Is Callum Watkins a player that you would keep an eye on this year with the resurgence of Brian Hall, the resurgence of Jermaine McGill, the continued performances of Jermaine McGillbray. Greg Eden is technically one of the best try scoring wingers we have in Super League, having scored more tries than games played. Josh Charnley's up there. These players that have been around for a few years are still like, putting, putting a case out there for selection, aren't they, come October? Yeah, you're right. They're, they're names that we've all, we almost take for granted because they have been at the top of the game for so long. Um, Watkins is is a really interesting player. I think um, he. I, I still don't feel like we've seen the best of him. He has these moments and these like glimpses where it's like, wow, he's actually incredible. But he just doesn't seem to be able to get a good run of form, get in the right team. He's had real tough luck with injuries, and I, and so I'm not sure. It's like it's kind of running out of time to sort of like bring that best version. Um, I definitely, if I'm a Salford fan, I would be. I'd want to keep hold of him because the the risk is he done, and then he goes and does it to someone else. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of 
just it all petered out. But I I, I like him. I think he's a, he's a good guy, and um, he's he's he did a good job for us for England, and um, yeah, I'd love to see I'd love to see the best of him because I feel like there's there's some real potential there. But whether whether we'll get it, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Move on again. Player, player. He he was another player that picked up a, a match notice, but he, luckily for him, he's had zero games because he's not had any prior and stuff like that. But we know if he does it next week, he'll get a two-match ban. Um, yeah. It, it, it's it's a bit silly the way it worked. I remember Karen Morehouse came onto the show and Paul Cut, uh, not onto this show, but onto the Super League on a Thursday night a few weeks ago with Paul Cullen, and they explained it and. It kind of made sense a little bit, but it, I felt like some of these were a bit harsh. It's going to put uh, players off from wanting to play. Another another thing that's probably going to put a lot of young lads off from playing is our player welfare. Like, it looks like we're doing really well when it comes to cracking down on horrible tackles and things you don't want to see in the game. But it also, Ryan Hall tweeted out um, at 5 o'clock yesterday... For the umpteenth time Super League, can we do away with the Easter schedule? We ask every year and it gets laughed off. Uh, our bodies are our, are our tools. It feels like you disrespect them. Yours is silly. Every Super League player ever. Um, some people have sort of laughed at him and said, oh, you weren't saying this when you were playing for Leeds and winning every week. Um, Chris Chatton, a person that um, I, I've spoken to doing some Southern Lionheart stuff, he said, is the season also too long? Would it be better just to play team, each team home and away? It probably wouldn't happen because less collective income. Richie Mathers had a good reply and said more chance of him coming back and winning Man of Steel. All about the money. What do you make of that tweet from Ryan Hall? It's so difficult, isn't it? Because like we're just talking about these match bans and the idea is player welfare. Yeah, it totally contradicts it when you're making these stacking games three, two or three days apart from each other and expecting players to play in both of them. So. Um, I, I agree with Ryan Hall, but I think unfortunately our hands are tied a little bit in terms of the money. You know, we need we need to have as many fixtures as possible because that's the club's main opportunity to earn an income. If we take that away from them, we're basically saying you can you're gonna earn less this year. So it's it's so it's so difficult, and I can see why he feels like he's being disrespected because the RFL's talking about player welfare and then sort of allows this to happen and it goes in direct direct competition, direct conflict with those ideas. Um, and every it, like I said, every year they ask and it gets sort of brushed under the carpet. They don't really address it. They just sort of like turn a blind eye and let it happen because Sky want the fixtures. Um, I think like an alternative, they, I, I, I don't see why we can't have half the fixtures on Good Friday and half the fixtures on Easter Monday. If, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's still two full days of sky coverage. It, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't get why we don't do that. It is just the extra revenue. In terms of the season, yeah, I'd love it if it was just home and away. And if we really want to go there, we could do a, a, a magic weekend and just have that one extra round of fixtures. And it should be based off the table rather than the, yeah, the local, local yeah things. But like like Richard Mallard said, it's just not going to happen, is it? We, we say it every year, it's just not going to happen. What I mean, one other idea, this is, we've, we've seen the um, the uh, reserves competition has come back. What if we had a rule where one round you had to field a reserves team? Do you know what I mean? And just so we can say, this week, like, Good Friday is your first team, Easter Monday is your second team, and you can't have 
you can't have a player playing both matches and mm. you can choose who how many you bring in for each match just just to try and give players a break whilst also getting that revenue in and it also sort of rewards teams that are invested in their reserves grade i don't know how yeah you know i'm just chucking that... ideas out there, but... <laughs> Yeah, that idea sounds a little bit complicated, but um, yeah, but I do see that having a home and away thing. We, we, you, me, and Toby have looked down and we've looked at, we've done it all sort of privately. We're not really shown anything, but we've seen that we can, you can make a season where each team plays each other home and away. You put the teams earlier in the Challenge Cup to make up for a couple of round, like I think it's two extra fixtures, um, and you put, you maybe give them like a little pre-season tournament so where they sort of play in each other. Um, before then, and it does work. You could have like a like a league cup sort of tournament, like the like the football do. Have an extra cup competition in there, where it's not played at Wembley or it's but whatever. But you just have sort of like you seed it. So first play whoever gets promoted in round one. Second plays like thirteenth or or eleventh, and then sort of like that. And you just sort of and it's just a simple straight knockout cup competition seedings. So you know who you could potentially play in the next round depending on who wins. Um, we've looked at it. It's really simple. We just need to find someone we want to send our our calendar to and see if they'll sort of fix it. We're going to move on to Bradford Bulls, and I'm I'm kind of happy about this statement after our absolutely stunning win against them at the weekend. Um, twelve men, seventy nine minutes with uh, twelve men after thir- after a red card to Jacob Fairbank after three tackles. And by the way. Fully deserved red card. I won't nudge it. The fact that Sam Hallis wasn't sent off was a little bit uh, disconcerting in terms of how the match officials saw what happened. But it's always nice to see punches thrown on a rugby pitch. Uh, it's what it's what you, me, and Toby love. We we love the Biff. That's why we call ourselves the Biff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I really loved it. But to score a, a winning try in the 78th minute or whatever it was at Oddsall to beat Bradford Bulls with a man down, it's not just two points on the board it's a psychological win as well like we go above them in the table and it really like gets the Bradford Bulls fans like it just gets them riled up and I love it but this statement that they've put out it doesn't say who's put it out or who it's from or who's mentioned it or whatever but this is what it reads it first of all the tweet says we'll roll up our sleeves and keep working to get to where we want to be there is no other option Thank you for your continued support. The whole statement reads, We appreciate and understand your frustrations following recent results. A return of four wins from eight is not where any of us wanted to be at this stage of the season, but rest assured everyone at the club is working hard to get us where we need to be. We have high expectations like you all, and we are not meeting those expectations currently, but it is a long old season. In times like this, it is important we all stick together, and as a club, we are all eager to reverse the fortunes as soon as possible, and that will only happen by rolling up our sleeves and getting stuck into the task at hand. There is no time to feel sorry for ourselves. The games are now coming thick and fast and the task at hand is sizable but we are confident in the group we put together that they have what it takes and they certainly will not shirk from the challenges on the horizon. Your support over the years has never wavered and it might sound cliche but it really does make a difference. The atmosphere on Friday was fantastic and we will certainly need more of the same against Featherstone on Monday. We hope to see you in numbers, bringing the noise, doing what you do best on the 25th. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Thank you for the concern. Uh, your continued backing. It sounds to me like time is running up for John Kit at Bradford. When Facts beat them at odds or win the Challenge Cup after Bradford beat Leeds to reach to reach the semi-finals in 2019, Bradford fans wanted him gone then. We're, we're three years later. We're three years removed from that fixture. 
he's still in charge and they're still as inconsistent as they have been. They are not a top-level championship side. They are very much a mid-table championship side. They should be a top-level championship side. But on paper, to me, they're better than... They're, better, they're probably better than Fax. They're probably better than York. They're definitely better than Sheffield. But they're not above them in the table. Um, what's wrong at Bradford? What, what's going on? Mate, this is, this is odd. I, I mean... Regardless or not whether John Keir should be there, I would like to know what he thinks about this statement because to me, this is a, a I don't know, social media manager or whatever is a, a bit annoyed, <laughs> feels sorry for the fans, and is trying their best to sort of say, "Look, we get it, we're sorting it," but when it's when it's there's nobody, nobody, nobody's name is to this, you know, it's it's just chucked out there. It just feels like it's, it undermines the actual process that's going on because it's just words. And there is like an unbelievable, like they talk halfway through, they talk about this might sound cliche. I'm sorry, but the whole thing's cliche. It's full of just like isms. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just garbage. The whole thing. They say about three things of value in there. They say we're not doing as good as we want and we're, we're trying our best. Thanks. Do you know, like we we do you know what I mean? The rest of it's just all garbage. I just think this is like really really stinks. Um, if I was a Bradford fan, this would have really really annoyed me. I would have been fuming with this because I feel like this just tells me that this is a club that's directionless. It tells me that they they just think I'm an idiot because they think they can just say these things and I'll just be like, oh yeah, it's fine. It, it's just it, you know. The only thing that can turn around bad results is good results. You can say whatever you like. It doesn't matter. And you can say, oh, yeah, we just roll our sleeves up. It's just absolute garbage. I'm sorry. This is actually has really, really wound me up. And I don't even care about the Bradford Bulls. They could lose every game for the rest of the year. It doesn't bother me. I think this is insulting to fans. And I think, you know, anybody could write this. I literally could have written this. It's a, it's a joke. Whoever's written this, seriously, what are you what are you thinking? Like, seriously, have you read it back? <laughs> it's just crazy. I, I honestly, I, I'm just offended for Bradford fans. Out yeah, there. from from There's what so much going wrong. From what I've is not gonna <laughs> from what I've seen, it does look like uh, it was Nigel Wood who wrote this from the, the tweets of Andrew Foster. Um, and he said, and his Andrew Foster's reply to for the to the statement and the tweet is gone down well. This with the Pinocchio emoji with the long nose hashtag Nigel Wood. Um, and if you're not sure, if those of you listening aren't sure who Nigel Wood is, a lot of you should. He's the former chief executive of um, of the RFL. He was involved in the depreca- uh, the depreca- uh, deprecation in Odell Stadium's value, which contributed to losses in the RFL. He is the current CEO of the International Rugby League, which explains why the International Rugby League calendar is a complete mess. He's had history at Halifax, and he didn't do a particularly good job when he was in charge there. Um, the RFL back in it was what this is back in two thousand and eighteen, I believe. Oh, the R no, back in, the RFL will publicise its two thousand and seventeen account. So we're going back six seasons, but of the two million pounds that the RFL lost back in two thousand and seventeen. 
£300,000 of it was paid to Nigel Wood as part of his severance package. Like, this man makes money off losing money. Like, people people get rid of this man to, to, so that they could no longer lose money. He was appointed as chief uh, as chairman back in March 2021. Um, their intent, apparently, Bradford were intent on regaining their top flight place, which they lost in 2014. Um, after backing their failed bid to reapply for a Super League berth, Wood has now chosen to get fully involved in the club. Um, apparently, for, um, Adam Fogarty is on board. The former Saints, Halifax, and Warrington forward is. Apparently concentrating on commercial and stadium issues. It doesn't sound like he's doing a particularly good job. Because uh, apparently the, a lot of the fans are not particularly happy with the pitch. Uh, Wood's appointment saw enable acting chief executive Mark Sawyer to fully focus on his role as chairman of Dewsbury. Which to me is baffling. Like why was Mark Sawyer involved in Dewsbury and Bat Bradford at the same time? I know they were the ground sharing. But they shouldn't have had members of the same. They shouldn't have had people on the board of both. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, um, Nigel Wood retired as chief executive of the International Rugby League Board uh, back in November 2020, but it doesn't say who's replaced him. Um, 16 years as a board member of the RFL, he oversaw, apparently Wood oversaw a successful 2013 World Cup and helped to uh, secure the return of the competition in 2021. Um, he left the Rugby League World Cup 2021 board in 2020. This guy loves to jump around a bit, doesn't he? <laughs> It doesn't. Oh, it stinks! It absolutely stinks. <laughs> There's some great people at the RFL that do so much good for rugby league, and we love rugby league. We only want to see it do well, and that, and we need the RFL to be pushing it in the right direction. So we want to be able to support them. But when people like this can have a career so long and be in in, in a position of real power, real decision making that real has a massive impact on on the trajectory of our game. When someone that is literally thick enough to write that and think that it's worth something, he clearly, this is what the RFL, they're just so susceptible to just like hollow people who can talk the talk and just do nothing about it. It's just everywhere in that organisation. Just then you spoke about how he oversaw a successful 2013 World Cup. Right, how was it successful? Please explain to me how it was successful. It, yeah, it went ahead. <laughs> it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is what they do. They tell they tell people the World Cup's going to be amazing. The World Cup happens. It was all right. It happened. Like it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? We we didn't get that much out of it. The international game didn't grow. It didn't cement a future set of international fixtures. It just happened. And then now all of a sudden, all this time later, we're talking about how successful it was. This is what they do. They sugarcoat everything. They're just absolutely full of rubbish. And, and this is just. I don't. It, it frustrates me because I care so much about rugby league that the people that are leading our sport and making these changes and decisions, they're just absolutely taking the mick. They're just literally taking the mick. Uh, just to wind you up a little bit more, Nigel Wood was awarded an OBE in the Queen's Birthday on this last year for his services yeah. to rugby league. Um, he spent uh, before he was went to Bradford to move them, try and move them back into at uh, all. He spent 18 years with the Rugby Football League, 12 of them as a chief executive, and then became chair of the International Rugby League Federation, which we know. Before that, he spent six years with Halifax during the early years of the Super League era. And I've heard some stories from my mum about what he was like, and some good, some bad, some some really confusing. And he has been immersed in Rugby League throughout his life, whether it be a ball boy, a player, or a volunteer with the Pennine League. 
fair enough. He's done a lot of work, and yes, he probably has done a lot of good, but I don't think people at Bradford really want him there at the minute. Like, if if he should have come in and he should have gone, okay, on off the field, I'm going to do this, but on the field, John Keir, look, it's, your time is up. We need a fresh start on the field, and we need to tell the fans that it's a fresh start on the field. It doesn't look like it's been a fresh start for them since, since he's come in. It just seems to have absolutely continued. We need to sort of be a little bit positive now, though. We need to move on and, and cheer ourselves up a little bit. And we're going to talk about an absolutely outstanding player. And I don't think either of us can argue. We, we, we did speak about this last week with, with Toby, but he never was never really able to watch this guy play, whereas we have. And I think we're very thankful for it. Our next introduction into our Hall of Fame is Saints legend Kieran Cunningham, uh, a professional rugby league coach and former player. Great Britain and Wales international representative hooker. He played his entire career at St Helens, making nearly 500 appearances for the club between 1994 and 2010, winning, winning numerous trophies. Uh, he frequently cited as being one of the best Super League players in history and widely regarded as to be one of Super, St Helens' greatest players of all time. Uh, a, a shock, a fact I don't think I mentioned last week, the youngest of 10 siblings, two of his brothers, Eddie and Tommy, also played for Saints. Kieran Cunningham was born five months after his brother Eddie won a Challenge Cup medal for St Helens against Witness. Following his retirement, Cunningham re remained at Saints as an assistant coach and was head of the club between 2015 and 17. This man is unreal. He's got a statue outside the Cessna Stadium. He was named as the Super League Dream Team on six occasions and in July 2007, three years before he retired, he was ranked as the greatest player of the Super League era. Would you would you rank him as you, the greatest player of the Super League era still? I asked this question to you last week, and I, I, I honestly I can't remember the, the answer. Yeah. So I'm going to answer it again. Do you see him as still the greatest player of all time in the Super League, or is there some players that have played in the last 12 years that maybe have, have pushed him? But arguably, his successor, James Roby, could be you could have pushed. Yeah, that's and, and that was such a like crazy thing that Saints can replace a legend like Kieran Cunningham with the next best thing that's you know like we say almost as good or maybe better who knows to go from Kieran Cunningham to James Roby I think the next person that takes that number nine shirt's got big boots to fill at Saints but yeah in terms of like his his skill he was so skillful wasn't he and he was quick strong tough everything that that we love to see here at the Biff, um, but in in terms of eras, like his era was was slightly different to ours, wasn't it? It was full of um, big brutes, bodies yeah. in the middle, and um, it's it's a slightly quicker game now. There's just a little bit less focus on the sort of like the big forwards, but he was stuck in the middle of them lot and still performing to the standard that he was. So um, yeah, an, an incredible player. Um, who's who's better than him really you know i think he's he, that that nine if you, if you want that style of nine there is no one better um whether he would be as successful in today's game with the changes that we've seen is um, an interesting debate i don't know i mean class is class at the end of the day he would he would still be he would still be awesome but whether he'd be as effective or whether he would need to change and to be honest in saying that like he isn't capable of it you know he's he was a smart player so i'm sure he would have been able to adapt to whatever he needed to do but yeah great great addition to the hall of fame 
so many great memories right at the start of my sort of like rugby league experience, seeing Kieran Cunningham killing it and just being like just that tough nine that like the heart of the team that is in the engine room doing all the hard work and he had he had a, a good brain on him as well. So just the all round fantastic player. Yeah, on his seventieth birthday he signed for Saints from Wigan St Jude's, made his debut in nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five, so pre Super League, which is at which is ridiculous. Um in they looks like they oh no, they lost the Regal final in nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six, which is unfortunate. Uh, he made a Challenge Cup final in 1996, which they won. He was named Hooker of the season in 1996. Back in, t- in 1999, he won another Grand Final. And again, he was only he was voted the only British player into the World Eleven back in 1999. They won the 2000 Grand Final. They also won... Looks like they... Oh, he played again... Oh, yeah, they beat Brisbane back in 2001 in the World Club Challenge. He played for Saints at Hooker in the 2002 Super League Grand Final victory against Bradford. Uh, he rejected offers from Wales and England Rugby Union and various NRL clubs, instead choosing to remain with his hometown team. He was named captain in 2006 after retirement of Paul Sculthorpe. He, re- he played at Hooker in the 2006 Challenge Cup Final against Huddersfield, reached another Grand Final against Hull FC in 2006 as they won that, and then... They beat Brisbane again in the, uh, as they faced Brisbane in 2007 World Cup Challenge. They lost in 2009 and unfortunately again lost in 2010. But he was the last player to score at Knowlesley Road before they moved. Finished his career scoring 175 tries in 419 appear, uh, 496 appearances. Five Super Leagues, seven Challenge Cups, two World Club Cups. And as I said, six Dream Team. Uh, you, you read that out and you think one of the best players, not just in the Super League era, but probably one of the best players of all time. Like, if you're selecting a World 13 and you're looking at Hooker, you're probably looking... Your names that come to mind are going to be Cameron Smith, James Roby, Kieran Cunningham, aren't they? Like, that, you're only going to select one of those three depending on what era of Rugby League you watched. And a lot of my Rugby League that I watched from the years probably 2004 onwards was was Kieran Cunningham and then a young James Roby into the James Roby that we see today and it it it's like you said as we mentioned earlier Saints have this thing that just produce players on a conveyor belt like I don't like they said the Lewis Dodd injury is not going to affect them Kieran Cunningham's retirement didn't seem to affect them because they had James Roby we we pray that James Roby's retirement isn't going to affect them either this player is Kieran Cunningham outstanding just that's and that's all I can say I think is absolutely outstanding well-deserved Hall of Famer. And, and on Saints as well, like, it, it's impressive that they managed to keep these players. Like, there would have been NRL clubs and rugby union clubs that would have paid him way more than he was on at Saints. And, but because he wanted to be part of that team so badly, he stayed and he finished the whole career there. And they've managed to do the same with James Roby and um, like Johnny Lomax. They just seem to be able to keep hold of talent really well, which is um, why it must be so nice to be a Saints fan. Yeah, it must be absolutely fantastic to be a Saints fan. You know you're always going to be a playoff team, no matter what. I don't think there's been a year they haven't finished outside the top six since I've watched Rugby League. And you, and there's that famous phrase where you, you never write off the Saints. And I think this season, I'm, other than the loss to Toulouse, I don't see them losing again, especially if they don't have to travel to France to play Toulouse and, then, and play Catalan. They've done the trips away now. They have to stay in the UK and they'll be all right. 
talking of the NRL and sort of being able to, I mean, you say Luke Thompson's probably the only player that they've really lost to the NRL. And fair play to them, he wanted to go over there and try it. And you know what, he'll probably be back in a year or two. But we need to sort of talk about the Watch NRL, not the Watch NRL, NRL Watch. And it's usually Toby's bit, but something, and I wasn't wouldn't do it if he wasn't here usually, but this, this story really stood out to me this week. Sorry about that little technical hitch, we, uh, me and Robin lost connection there. We're, we're talking about the NRL, we're going to reintroduce this, they're not Watch NRL, NRL Watch, and... As I just said, it's, it's well, off over, which you haven't heard. I wouldn't do this without Toby usually, but this story is absolutely massive for the revolving door of rugby league transfers with a new team coming in and players moving and not ha- and having a season out and, and everything else. But the Newcastle Knights have reportedly pulled their extension off of Caelan Ponga in a stunning twist to the superstar fullback's future. News Corp reported Ponga and the Knights had agreed to a five-year deal However, it was pulled by the club on Friday, just a few hours before their game, which Ponga ripped up again, as usual, and showed why he's worth millions and millions of dollars. Uh, this opens the door for Ponga to link up with the Dolphins after being um, after sitting down with uh, head coach Wayne Bennett earlier this month. Ponga is signed until the end of 2024. However, he has an option in his favour for the final two seasons, which means he can leave at any point during those final two seasons and has to make a call by the end of round by round 10, which is in four weeks' time, I believe. Uh, the Dolphins have been surfing Ponga as their potential marquee signing, and it now looks likely that the 24-year-old will end up in Red, uh, Redcliffe. This opens the door for the Knights to storm to chase Storm superstar Cameron Munster, who has also been involved with the Dolphins with a long-term deal. Um, Ponga's father, who's also his agent, Andre, uh, wanted authority over the, when the deal was announced, not the Knights, and that has created some unsettlement at the club. The Knights wanted to unveil the deal last week, but Andre was not on board. The extension was understood to, between, to be between 1.1 and 1.2 million US uh, Australian dollars for another three years, which would have kept Ponga in Newcastle until the end of 2027. Knights management have apparently been fed up with his dad, delaying the announcement as well as the money being paid for Fonga who has not yet hit his best form. Arguably he hit his best form after the announcement, which is which is ridiculous. Um this is huge. It's massive disruption for the Knights off the field, which will affect the players on the field. And yeah, Ponga has six weeks left to decide whether he must activate or knock back his option for twenty twenty two and twenty twenty four, but it looks like he won't stay beyond this season. Yeah, I think it's pretty, like, when, when we're sort of having these conversations, you know he's not hanging around. It's just when and to who he goes for, for how much. Um, yeah, quite quite bad for the Newcastle Knights, really. I mean, this is a, a guy that is a superstar player, and when he's saying he doesn't want to connect to your club, it's, I mean, re- really, for Ponga, he's thinking, where am I going to win an NRL? That's, that's his mm-hmm. goal, because he's good enough to do it. Um, yeah. And so when he's saying he doesn't want to stay at the Knights, he's basically saying, I don't think this, this club's capable of winning a, 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 a premiership whilst I'm here or in this time span. And, you know, that's not good for the Knights to be in that situation. I think um, it's a weird one because I kind of agree with the idea that he's not in his best form yet and he's kind of a little bit overrated, a little bit overrated, yeah. but the potential is, is there for him. But I do think that um, this is a good way for Ponga to cash out on that potential before it gets to the point in his career where we go, 
actually never reached the heights that, that we thought were, was going to happen. So I'm sure that's playing a part in his decision to, to, to do it now as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he wanted to stay uh, with the deal having been agreed. But they seem, I think to me, it seems like more that his, because his dad's his agent, his dad's wanted to take so much more control. And, we, and we've seen this before where agents have priced players out of moves or pissed off clubs. And I, I say that to be as, as PG as possible. They have annoyed clubs and clubs have gone, you know what, actually, we want the player, but we don't want to deal with you as an agent. So we're not going to offer you the contract. Um... Fair play, if Ponga goes to Redcliffe, that's huge for them. That will entice other players to go and maybe accept a little bit less money. I mean, it looks like they've already got the Bromwich Twins. They'll already, they've already got a number of quality players to play for them next season. Uh, next season. From what it looks like as well, though, the Storm have offered Munster 750000 per season to stay, but the Dolphins have indicated that they're willing to pay him a million dollars per season. If the Dolphins now land Ponga... The path will be cleared for the Knights to begin a shock chase for Munster. If you're the Dolphins, do you go for a million a season on Cam Munster, or do you go a million a season on Ponga? Because you're only going to be able to afford one at that on that money, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, for me, without a shadow of a doubt, I'd pick Munster every single time. I'd pay him off Munster and all to Ponga. I know, I know Ponga is a superstar. I know he's in that number one jersey, which seems to be the, the highest paid player or the, the top players in our game but Munster is world class um, he's got a lot of years left in him he's very very wise he's just such a good rugby player Do you know when he's when he's got the ball in hand he's, he's a real threat and he's dogged and he's a good defender as well and he's consistent and yeah he can he can lose his head a little bit but I think it's only because he's such a competitor that he just doesn't take a backward step, which is, um, so, on the other hand, Ponga, I think he's, um, he's had so much expectation from a young age that he, he truly believes that he is uh, a superstar. And he, he is a great player, but sometimes that can lead to um, a bit of arrogance. And we've seen it in, in sort of off-field incidents and little remarks and his attitude towards towards certain things happening where it's like like he's good and he knows it and, and sometimes in our sport that is actually quite a toxic thing to have in a team um difficult to build a team around somebody who's who's got that potential to um be be a bit arrogant so and obviously you know look at his dad if his dad's difficult to deal with he's following in his footsteps maybe you know we, we don't know the whole story i'm just speculating but you know, whereas Munster, I think, okay, he's had his off-field incidents, but they're not, they're not, uh, they're wrong, but they're not as sort of yeah. dangerous as Ponga's yeah. in terms of like how the team responds. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Pong, we'll say this now, Ponga's going to go to Redcliffe. Fine. We're like, that will take that. Munster goes to the Knights. Fine. Cool. That makes sense. One player leaves, you sign another player. If, yeah. if you're Melbourne and Munster does decide he's going to leave to go to Newcastle, which would shock me because he's, he's even though he's going to be uh, probably earning more, he's probably not going to be a, good, a, a better team. If you're, if you're Melbourne and Munster leaves, looking at off-contract halfbacks that aren't going to cost you anything, you've got Albert Kelly at Broncos, probably not going to go for him. You're looking at the... No, no one at the Bulldogs is, is going to be really worth it. You've got Matt Moylan at the Sharks. 
and then you're looking further and further down. Kieran Forum is off contract at the Sea Eagles. Cooper Johns is off contract at the Storm. Could they offer it to him? Uh, Chanel Harris Tavita at the Warriors. Cody Nicarima's there. I mean, nobody of any serious world class note is standing out to you at any club. Anthony Milford at the Rabbitohs is, is available at the end of the season. They're going to have to. They're going to really have to do something, convince someone to, or buy someone out of the final year of their contract, aren't they? Yeah, it's a difficult position for the Storm because they really don't. They really haven't. There isn't a replacement for Munster out there. So I, I imagine. I think that deep down Munster would rather be at the Storm because the same reason that Ponga doesn't want to be at the Knights. He wants to be in a team that's at the top of the table every year and he's got a chance of winning more things. Um, but he's kind of got him in a st- sticky situation where there isn't much of an alternative and there comes a point where they're going to be paying overs for him. So um, it's, a fine, it's a fine line, but I think that they'll be willing to pay a bit more to keep Munster rather than looking at the alternatives that are out there. Unless they're sitting on some young talent that they're willing to take a risk on. Yeah, which would which would be very much like the storm under Craig Bellamy. Yeah. We know how yeah. we know how good it, um... is Craig Bellamy and and the storm. We know how good he is as a coach. And but th- this could cause absolute carnage in terms of which halfback to play him where. And I'd only I'd only love it if they Munster went to Red uh, went to the Knights or even if Munster stayed at the um, at Melbourne. I'd love the Knights to snap up Luke Brooks for his contract, but. For a million pound a year, and then maybe hopefully, then then you know, I'd rather pay. Do you know what I mean? It, that'd be fantastic. How crazy! How crazy! Brooks is on a million. Is on <laughs> seven hundred and fifty. Like that is just so wrong. Yeah, it, it it's really absolutely mental when you think about it. But plenty of players off contract at the end of twenty two. There's plenty of player movement still to come, and there's plenty of movement towards Redcliffe to come as well. As we know, they've not. They haven't got a full 13. They have a few players from the New South Wales Cup side or, well, or the, the sort of Jersey Blake side and stuff. So that'll be absolutely fantastic for them. And fingers crossed that Wayne Bennett does a fantastic job with them. It'd be ridiculous if they finished at the top four side in their first season. We need to move on, and it's nearly time to wrap up. So we'll, we'll move on to our, our predictions. Congratulations, Mr. Mister Robin. You had a six out of six week this week. KR Saints, yeah. Catalan, Fax, Cass, and Whitehaven all picking up wins. That puts you within a point of me after both me and Toby had four-point wins. Toby can't catch a break, man. He's, le- he's just lagging behind. He's two points further off you than he started last week, and... He's not here, but I'll, I'll have a little giggle at him. <laughs> and so, unfortunately for him, he, he is um, he, he is struggling at the minute. And I'm kind of glad because he, he blew us away last yeah. year. So, um, we'll start off, though, with game number one. We'll go to the NRL. It's Cronulla versus Manly. Is this, mm. this is, I've chosen games that look tough for us this week. It's the only game being played on Thursday. I think both teams are reasonably close together in the table. One's fourth, one's sixth, or one's fourth and one's seventh. Tough, really tough um, to pick between these two sides. With no Tom Savojevic for Manly, they always seem to be more inconsistent than consistent. The Sharks, the Sharks are, both teams are four wins from six. The Sharks have dropped down third on points difference after the Storm moved above them. Um, for me, it's got to be, it's got to be Cronulla. They, they do seem like the team to beat 
teams other than obviously other than the, the Panthers and the Storm, they are the teams to beat in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. We we uh, picked some good teams this year, and I think we've got a good all-round squad. Whereas um, Manly do tend to rely a little bit on their key players, uh, which they're without. So yeah, I'm gonna back the Sharkies. Yeah, we don't know Toby's result, uh, Toby's predictions yet, by the way. So once we do know them, we'll put them up on social media. Hopefully, we'll turn them over to Britain. But he's busy, so I'll let him off. Uh, game number two. It's a bottom of the table clash in Super League. It's Leeds Rhinos at home against Toulouse Olympique. Whichever team loses this game will finish. Will be bottom of the table after ten games. This is mental. Like no matter which, both these teams will be eleventh and twelfth. It's just which way around will they be come come the end of the weekend. I'm, I'm, I picked to lose last week to beat Catalan, and they looked like they were going to do a good job. Leeds without Tetovano, without Bentley, Sinfield playing in the halves, Austin's injured. They got blown away. Well, they should have been blown away by a cast team, which they. I don't think they beat them in the end. I don't think they even beat the cast in the end. But, but this is ridiculous. And. I'm with confidence. I'm going to say Toulouse are going to win this one. Oh, it's, uh, it's what a crazy situation. We did not predict this. Um, <laughs> yeah, terrible lead side. I'd hate to be a coach that adopts such a team. Yeah. You've got such a big mess to fix. Yeah. Um, I, just don't, I don't know what to say to be honest. I feel like surely I can't back Toulouse to beat Leeds. But then I'm like, you know. This um, this lead side's capable of anything. I think Leeds at home, at the end of the day, it's they know that th this is a this is a real serious game now. Like this is this is a this is business end of the year already. I yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go in my head and say Leeds, but my heart kind of wants to lose to win. <laughs> That's a big call because I know we we said this didn't we like there was two there was a like you, I went we went to watch Jules Newcastle as we mentioned at the start of the show on um, Friday Friday I think it was Friday no Saturday evening wasn't it we, we went to the Lions Stadium and there was plenty of chance going on and there was only two chance I said to you, I said I won't actively chance for any other team I won't like I won't chance for York I won't chance for like Newcastle I won't chance for chance for anyone other than other than facts. Um, there's only two chants that I agreed I would I'd continue. One of them was just chanting Yorkshire, which is fine. Like I'm not chanting for York, I'm yeah. chanting for the county. Perfectly fine. Not not for the not for York. Um, the other one was we all ate leads. <laughs> so like like yeah, who doesn't join in with I think even Leeds fans sometimes sing it. Like <laughs> and at the minute it wouldn't be surprising if, if they carried on. So for me I, I would love to see them finish bottom, or at least finish eleventh. Like this goes back to the year they got into, they got into the like the qualifiers and they they struggled to get out of the qualifiers. Like yeah. it's ridiculous the fact that they're, they're that bad this year. All seriousness, we hate Leeds, but only because they're good and <laughs> like Super League needs a strong lead side, so they need to get their act together. Obviously, we want to lose as well. So for us, this is like. Um, we don't really want either team to go down. There's other teams that yeah. um, Toby would feel more than happy to mention deserve to be in the championship. <laughs> yeah, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred percent. 
I mean, like, if this is a draw and Toulouse win, both teams will be on four points. So, like, if it goes to Golden Point and Toulouse win in extra time, both teams will get four points. We'll, be, we'll finish, we'll finish the weekend on four points. And I think that's the best that we can ask for, I think, isn't it? Like, I, if I'm being strategic, I'd say I want Toulouse to win because, you know, they'll struggle to pick up points later in the year, whereas Leeds could turn it around. So we get Toulouse nice, some nice points, get them that little bit closer to safety. And then Leeds can just go the long way around, but they'll be able to pull it off. But you're still going for Leeds this weekend. I'm still going for Leeds. <laughs> uh, game... <laughs> uh, game number three, Championship. Um, it's a side that we've seen play, Newcastle, away at Sheffield. Two teams that, other than when they play London, don't look like they're going to pick up any ball or work it in. Don't look like they're going to pick up any points. We say that though, Sheffield are not doing badly this season. They're higher than we thought. They're up to six with a game in hand. They've still got to play Batley, which um, which has been which will be rearranged and they will play each other. Newcastle's down in ten. The only they've got four wins from four in the same situation as Halifax with this and Bradford. Are they playing badly like these other teams are, or is or is this team just so inconsistent and so shockingly underprepared for the full time game? Like, yeah. are they winning against? Are they beating Sheffield away, or are Sheffield going to pick up the two points? Well, so when when I used to go and watch Sheffield, there, there was a chance, and uh, they played Bradford, and Jazz always says it all the time. Apart from it, and it's and it, the chant base says, and Bradford's in the bin, and you start seeing about putting Bradford in the bin. And this year, Sheffield put Bradford in, the bin, and, and in a bit of an upset, and actually started Bradford decline that we were talking about earlier. So Sheffield have obviously got something in where they completely rip the heart out of the team and leave the carcass to fail for the rest of the year. So <laughs> I still back the Sheffield side, obviously I'm just like but on the other hand, Newcastle, what a abysmal performance they put in last week. I just there was not even a glimpse of hope, so I can't possibly predict them to win. So yeah, Sheffield for me. Yeah, this is tough for me because having seen Newcastle be absolutely abysmal and, and really struggle against York. London were level with Sheffield at half time at the weekend. They did lose 30 points a game and Sheffield fully deserved their win. But it's another team that have only got four wins out of their first set of fixtures. Both these teams are on eight points, but Newcastle have a much, much better point, uh, sorry, a much worse off points difference. Sheffield have got 82. Newcastle have minus 36. They get the majority of those came at the weekend against York, which put them below Bradford, having Bradford only losing by three points and stuff. But I'm still going to back Sheffield on this one, just because we know that they can play at that level. And we've under, we under-predicted where we think they do it. We predicted them to finish down, I think, 11th or 12th this season. But it looks like they're going to finish up there. And they can kind of do what Whitehaven did last year and shock a few teams and maybe just push themselves into that into that top five, top six, and with along with, with Barrow Raiders. And I'm going to go for a Sheffield one on this one as well. So we're going to agree with each other again. And I, for some reason, I feel like Toby's going to go with Newcastle because he had he had he's got something about them. He had an agenda with them this year. So <laughs> uh, uh, game number four, following an absolutely fantastic winning drop goal. Um, yesterday morning by Jackson Hastings. West Tigers welcome Sydney rivals South Sydney Abitos. This is huge for West. They finally got that win under their belt. They finally look like they're playing better with Brooks at six and Hastings at seven. 
fingers crossed that it looks like it can happen again. But this is South Sydney Rabbitohs. They are they are just they're up there, aren't they? They're just a quality NRL team that are always gonna be a playoff team. Is this West's chance to get to move themselves up the table and just show what they can do? Or is the doubt's gonna run by it and sort of show them who is the best team in the team? Yeah, I mean like great result for West this weekend and um like you say things sort of looking like they're heading in the right direction although um you know it's easy to pull off a win and start thinking that you've you found the answer but still good result i just still can't back them this week i still think south is too strong um you know they're not they're not as good as they were last year but they've lost reynolds and they're still pretty much up there so it's a, it's a super strong side um yeah, I mean, West, West, uh, Michael Maguire's in the same 17 as South to, to beat Parramatta. Jake Simkin looks like he's going to be fit to play despite his ankle injury. Jake Fiddler on the reserves, and Jock Manning could come in with another dummy half option. It's the same 17, but the players that are playing sort of number four, whatever, the players are fixed around a little bit. So Garner's now in a 17 shirt, Stafford Poe has been put back in the four. Ken Marlowe's playing number five without having wearing the number 21. Um, Gildart and Peachy drop down to the reserve, safe bar. Um, it, it's interesting, but the Rabbitohs look strong as hell. Uh, Burgess has dropped to the bench, Harmon Selle's been named a prop, and Davy Moali has been recalled to the bench as I passed, going back into the reserve. I really want West to win this. Like, don't get me wrong, it would be absolutely fantastic if we managed to get this win on Saturday morning over here in the UK. And you know what? Just because I could kind of afford it, and yeah. we're well clear of Toby, I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I've got to go for West Tigers. Brooks at six, Hastings at seven, Laurie at fullback. Although he looked a little bit nervy, he can be really, really good. I love David Northaluma. Jimmy the Jet, not my favourite at centre, but he's doing a good job. I just really hope we can improve the forward pack at the end of the season or towards like get maybe get some loans in, even if it's like Hetherington. I don't mind. It'll be an improvement. Uh, game number five. We're going to drop down to League One. Uh, Toby said in the chat that Keith Lee and Crusade look like top dogs in League One season. Another team that is sort of up there and in the top four is Swinton. And this week, Swinton travelled to Keith Lee. What, where are you seeing this game go? I think it's going to be a tough one to, to pick, no matter which team you support or how you look. Even if you look at the league table and the league table, picking Keith Lee, it doesn't look like the easy decision. Yes, Swinton, um, obviously, the, the team that's gone down into League One this year, um, so they'll... You know, they've got that expectation, they've got that pressure. Uh, I, I haven't followed either team too closely this year. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just chuck Swinton in there just because I just I, I, I think they picked up some good signings at the start of the year. Um I'm just gonna back up. I haven't really got many reasons why. Yeah, I mean Keith, Keith Lee and Crusaders are the only teams that are unbeaten, but Swinton lies second with a points difference of plus 151. Like, this is this is a massive chance. Like, well done North Wales Crusaders, you're four wins from four, you've got them within Hurricanes, you're likely to be five wins from five. This is massive for these two teams to stay with North Wales. 
and for that reason, we it's really really tough. I think I think I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to go with Swinton as well. I hope Keithley kind of do the job. We like Keithley. They're they're a team that have played in the championship before, and I really like the way they way they set up. But I think I'm going to have to back on this and go with Swinton. And I think, but I think that only because I think Toby's going to go for Keithley, having having said, having told us that they're they're one of the big dogs this year. Uh, the last game of our weekend, we jump back up to the championship. Um, it's not probably a game you think I would have picked this week, but Batley in fifth, Witness in eighth, both teams within a point break. So Batley got four wins from seven, Witness of four wins from eight. Very, really close together, only a point between them. This is going to be a really tight game. Two teams that have made a lot of changes to their squad this year, Witness without the Chapelos, going, I think, believe now they're part-time. Really difficult to see them down in eighth in the championship after having such good seasons in Super League for, for them anyway. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with this on this one, and I don't know if you'll agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna have to disagree with you, despite the fact that um, Batley are playing away, and obviously the um, witness the two evenly matched sides. I think Batley had a much better season last year, and I've I've watched witness play against York and. They, there was nothing they did to write on about. So, um, just off that brief kind of experience, I, I like I like the Batley team. I think they've got um, some quite dynamic players, and yeah, I'll back them to to win over Widnes. No, it's really really good, really good sort of predictions there. We've only agreed on on half of them, so there is a chance for you to to to, to, to read. To regain the lead on that one, and if Toby gets six out of six, well played to him. Congratulations to to that man. And um, once we know what he predicted, thank you very much for for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Remember, if you're new, don't forget to drop a follow, drop drop a like. Whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening through uh, RSS, please let us know if you if you want us to have guests on soon. We we can arrange that. Um, Thank you very much for joining me this week, Robin. It was a week where we might not have, we shouldn't have really had a podcast in, but we will, we will get one out. You'll hear us, you'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Hopefully, we'll all be here. Um, it might be next week, and we'll, we'll have to have a little chat, but we will let you know. But Robin, thank you very much for joining me. We've been the bit. Toby's apologised, and we'll see you in maybe two weeks' time, maybe next week. You might get us two weeks in a row. Uh, peace out. Have a good one. See you later, everyone.